Let me lead us in prayer. Father, it's good to be here this day, to laugh and celebrate with one another uh, this Father's Day and honor fathers in our midst who have been great role models. Uh, For some of us, that may be more painful, more difficult, more challenging. There's things that this might raise that are difficult to deal with. Wherever we're at in that journey, we pray that now you would help us in our minds to put some of that other stuff away, that we might reflect on your word and what it might have to teach us today and how you might speak to us. So give us hearts and minds that are open to you, receptive to your spirit, tender towards you, and cause that to be the case by your spirit in us. For you do love us and you love every person here more than we can comprehend. So help us to grasp even a little bit more of that this day and celebrate who you are. Bless us now as we reflect on your word. May it speak to our hearts and lives. And may the words, meditations of my own heart be acceptable in your sight, O God. Amen. Well, one of the uh, frequent ways to describe the, the Christian life is a journey. Uh, But in fact, outside of Christianity, uh, frequently all of our lives is often referred to as a journey. Uh, Maybe you've uh, seen these kinds of sayings and stores, uh, life is a journey, uh, make the most of it, or uh, life is a journey, not a destination, learn to enjoy the ride. Or a journey of a thousand miles begins with a simple step. Uh, The idea or analogy of a journey is so helpful because like a journey, uh, life continues to unfold for each of us. And there are ups and downs and twists and turns, great things and difficult things and so on. From the cradle to the grave, life is a journey. Uh, And Christianity makes this bold claim that to live the best life possible, to really embrace that journey of life, to discover how life is really meant to be lived, uh, to actually discover your life's true meaning and purpose, you not only need God in your life, you need to encounter the message and ultimately the person of Jesus. Now, granted, that is quite a bold claim. But that has been the message of Christianity Uh, that has been proclaimed through countless people, through men and women, for almost 2,000 years. That life is at its best when we discover a relationship with Jesus. Uh, Each of us has a story that we are living out. It's our journey. And we just listen to one person tell us very briefly about 
their story, their journey. Uh, a journey that maybe you can relate to in some ways, a, a story of early pain in life, a story of a commitment to, to pursue the things of this world, a story of success, affluence, winning, but then a story of painful disappointment, heartache, questioning, wrestling, wondering. And then there's a story, a story of discovering a greater truth, a greater reality, a greater person. We all have our stories, our journeys. Each of you are on a journey. And today we are going to look at a passage of Scripture where the Apostle Paul, who was the greatest missionary in the early church and an author of a great deal of Scripture, shares with us some of his journey, some of his story, and the convictions that he came to on that journey. The Apostle Paul had to live out his own journey, and there will be some aspects of his journey that we can relate to, and, and maybe some that will be more difficult to relate to, or maybe we can't. He lived in his own time, in his own context. But the truths he discovered, and the way that he lived and learned to live, is an example for us to follow. And in fact, the scriptures set out the Apostle Paul as a great human example for us to follow. And so today we're going to be learning about not only why he became a follower of Jesus in his journey, but then also a couple aspects of that ongoing journey of following Jesus. And really we're going to be looking at three kind of facets of that joyful journey. Uh, that is found in the letter to the book, letter to the Philippians that we've been looking at after the, uh, the last number of weeks, and we're in now in chapter three. And we're going to begin reading at the second half of verse four to nine. It's going to be on the screen. Please follow along with me in your Bibles, the uh, chair racks if you have them. But we're going to be picking up second part of verse four through to nine. Listen to what Paul writes. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Uh, what is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ to me found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Now, 
Uh, there is a lot in those few verses. Uh, Paul always packs a lot in a verse. And in the first three verses that we just read, uh, Paul is basically talking about that stage in his life journey when he really, truly believed he was on the right track, but came to the realization that he wasn't. In this early stage of Paul's life journey, he really thought that the way to live life, the way that he was uh, intended, the way life was intended to be lived, was to be a very religious person. He grew up in a faithful Jewish home. He was from a very prestigious tribe in Israel. He had all the right breeding and credentials, background. And then with that great upbringing, he applied himself diligently to that upbringing and heritage. You might say that, that he went for it as a, as a young man. He did everything he could think of to be the best person he thought he should be. He was moral as he understood morality. He was religious. He was passionate. He was zealous. Uh, in our day, we would call him a, a high achiever, maybe even a, a triple-A personality, top of the class, on the honor roll, valedictorian. I don't know that, but you know. Now, we don't have to be like that to relate to this stage of Paul's journey. Because I think all of us seek to discover how to make life work. How to live life well. And many of those things we have inherited from our parents or from the culture in which we live. Maybe from the religious group that we were, we were raised or nurtured in. And many, so many of those things are often great. While for Paul and for many others, it may be a religious background, the reality is that everyone seeks to find, discover those things that they believe will make them happy and successful. Now, for so many in today's culture, that's work or work and money, or the trifecta, work, money, and family. But many people are very religious about their work. Uh, this past week, I, I read a study referring to a book that is called Seculosity. Seculosity, uh, the mashing of these words secular and religious together. Anyway, the study revealed that over 20% of Americans, and I kind of tend to just include us Canadians to the north, even though we have this superior basketball team. <laughs> anyway, but I digress. That over 20% have acute guilt over not working efficiently enough. Guilt over not working efficiently enough. More guilt about that than so many other things in their lives. You see, work 
for so many is our religion. It's what we value. It's what we put our best energy in. It's where we get our satisfaction. It's where we get our meaning. It's how we think we can win in life. And the problem is, as the Apostle Paul discovered in his journey of actual religious pursuit, that we are created and intended for so much more. That it's not enough and it will never be enough. Not near enough. And Paul writes about his great discovery. Verse 7, But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. Paul came to an amazing discovery. The truth about Jesus Christ. Who Jesus is and what he had done. And the essence of that is, as Paul writes elsewhere, is that Jesus, the Son of God, is real and that he came and died on the cross, died for Paul's sins as well as for yours and mine so that we can be forgiven and have a whole new way of life, a life in relationship, a life that's anchored and founded and built on the person of Jesus Christ. Paul says this discovery is so incredible that when you compare it to all those other things, well, the other things, they're just garbage. In fact, the word garbage is kind of a cleaned up translation of the Greek word. That word could actually be used for human waste. Why the old version referred to it as dung. See, compared to knowing Christ, compared to having him as the center and anchor, source of identity and hope, all other stuff is just dung. And Paul emphasizes in verse 9, that the key to this new way, the key to discovering this new way is actually faith. For Paul, you see, there are basically two ways to live, to boil it down. One is personal effort, work, striving, religion. It all depends on you and how you do and what you do and how you perform. The other way, is rooted in a relationship with Christ. Someone else described it as one way is do. The way of Christ, it's been done. It's been done. And we rest in what he's done for us, his grace and his mercy. And for Paul, a relationship with Christ became central to his whole life. 
He knew that he couldn't earn it through any kind of religious effort. He had to simply receive it as a gift of grace through faith. I hope, I hope that you know this grace, this gift of Jesus today, because it changes everything it did for Paul, did for me, I know it has done so for so many in this room. I pray it's true for you. Well, there's so much here in these early verses. But I want to talk about a second facet of Paul's journey. And he leads right into it in verses 10 to 11. He says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Paul writes, I, I, I want to know Christ. Well, what could Paul mean? He already knows Christ. You've just been talking about how your life changed dramatically when you came to faith in Christ. You just said that you count everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus. What do you mean I want to know Christ? Well, I believe Paul is saying that in the Christian journey, there is a critical time when we come to believe and embrace Christ as our Savior, come to realize what the cross is about, what grace is about. But it's just the beginning. It's just the beginning of knowing Christ. And that growth in knowing Christ, deeper, fuller, is a lifelong pursuit. And in verse 10, he highlights just some aspects of this knowing, the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings and becoming like him in his death. Now, I expect that most of us would, would like to know and experience more of Christ's power. The other two we may be less sure about. Uh, but let's think about power first. In Paul's letter to the Ephesians, he, he writes that they might know the incomparably great power for those who believe. Very similar to what he's saying here. A, a power that is like the power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Paul's thought here seems to be about the power of life over death. The power of God over death. That is, that they would experience Christ bringing to life that which has become dead. Now, to cut to the chase, I don't think, like so often in the scriptures, Paul is so much thinking physically as spiritually and relationally. Resurrection power, as it's taught in the scriptures, is about bringing light to the darkness. It, it is about bringing hope to the hopeless. It is seeing people freed from prisons of despair. It's also about seeing relationships restored and people awakened to the life of God from spiritual death in darkness. And this is the power of God at work. And Paul says, I 
want to know more of that. And so do I. Paul did know it. He had seen it. He had witnessed it in so many people's lives. But he wanted to know more of that. And every follower of Christ wants to know more of that. To see the life and power of Christ work and change people's lives and contexts and relationships. But not only that, says Paul. He wants to know the fellowship of sharing in Christ's sufferings. Becoming like him in his death. This is certainly harder, isn't it? But to grow in Christ, to, to really go on the journey with Christ, we must follow Christ into suffering. We must allow and invite Christ to so shape our character that we grow in humble obedience and surrender to the will of God as Jesus did on the cross. Paul, I think, is indicating that the Christian journey is no cakewalk, no bed of roses. It will not be pain-free. Now, of course, that doesn't mean joy. Joy, we have found, is splattered all through this letter. But it will be joy often in the midst of sorrow and difficulties. And as Paul writes this great letter from a Roman jail, chained for preaching the gospel, he is well aware of that truth. Growth in knowing Christ, going on the journey with Christ, is not avoiding the hard and difficult things, but experiencing Christ in the midst of them. And how did Paul do that with joy? He says in verse 11, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Uh, this verse can be easily misunderstood as thinking that maybe Paul has become uncertain about the resurrection. <laughs> uh, no. Uh, what Paul is unsure of in this Satan sentence is just how his death is going to occur. How it's going to occur. Remember, he's in a Roman jail and not sure if he's going to get out or not, hoping that he is. He's unsure of the how. The resurrection, he is most certain about. And that is his great hope and confidence. You see, Paul knew that this life is not all there is. And he then kind of treated his physical life as somewhat lightly. If he suffered physically, for him it would simply draw him closer to Christ. For a resurrected life lay ahead. That was his great hope and confidence. Wow. What an example, right? What an example. Paul suffered a great deal. And throughout the centuries, of course, many, many people have experienced great suffering. Even martyrdom in their journey of following Christ. There are many different kinds of suffering. 
I think what the scriptures teach is that every follower of Christ will experience suffering in some way in this life. But the promise of the scriptures is that Christ meets us and will help us in our suffering as we turn to him. And in that journey, we will know him better. And in that is true joy. And so, may we desire to know, as Paul desired to know, not only his power, but the fellowship, the sharing in his sufferings, increasingly becoming like him until that day when we too will leave this life to await the resurrection. But there is a third facet that Paul now speaks to regarding the journey, which I'm just going to really briefly touch on this morning. But it's so good, I just couldn't skip it. So hang in there with me just a little longer. Verses 12 to 14. Listen to what Paul says. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal. You see, Paul knew that he was just a work in progress, just like you and I are works in progress. But listen to his attitude. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Wow. Now, without doubt, there's a message or two in there. Uh, but today, I simply want to focus on one aspect of this great approach to the Christian journey, and that is Paul's passion to keep moving forward with purpose. Paul's passion to keep moving forward with purpose. You see, Paul was engaged with life and what he understood God had called him to and what his life was about. And Paul was not going to be passive. He was going to be passionate. He knew that his life mattered under God, and as long as he had breath, he was going to be about pursuing that. Again, what an amazing, awesome example. You see, some people think that Christians are maybe so heavenly-minded, they're no earthly good. But if Paul is our example there should be no room for such a thought. Yes, yes, Paul anticipated heaven. He was looking forward to that day of even greater joy, of freedom from the pain and heartache of this world, meeting Jesus face to face. But until he was called home, he was going to give everything he had to this life that he was called to pursue. You see, the scriptures teach that every person, you and I, have a purpose under God, and it can be discovered and pursued in a relationship with him. And we are to live with passionate 
purpose. Because your life matters. Your life matters. And the Christian journey is a day-to-day pursuit of growing in that knowledge of Jesus, pursuing our purpose with passion. Where are you in your journey? Have you come to that place of deep knowing that there is nothing greater than knowing Jesus and having a relationship with him? Have you received that gift of grace and is your life now oriented around him? If you do know that, if you have come to that knowledge and that truth, are you growing in him? Are you daily looking for ways that you can experience his power and live out his grace? And in the hard and painful things, discovering the fellowship of sharing with him, becoming increasingly like him in character, full surrender to him. And are you living your life in pursuit of the purposes of God, the purposes for which you were born, the purpose for for which God has given you life? Pursue that with abandon and you will experience greater and greater joy. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the example of Paul, who simply was seeking to live his life under the even greater example of Jesus. Father, each of us have to live our own lives. No one else can live it for us. But we can look to examples like Paul. We can look at the inspired truths of Scripture to reflect and evaluate on our own life's journey and how we are to live life. Thank you for the truth of Jesus. Thank you that he loves us. Thank you that he gave his life for us. Thank you that he is there for us every day. Thank you that we can grow to know him more. Thank you that he's called us to live our lives for him, to make a difference in this world. And Father, I pray for each person here that they would reflect on their journey, that they would take stock, and they would pursue those things that matter, not only for this life, but for eternity. For in the name of Jesus, I pray it. Amen.